Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Startup Operators Weekly Roundup. The Weekly Roundup is a show for people who like to stay updated with the latest developments from the Indian startup ecosystem. If this is the first time you're tuning into the channel, do consider subscribing for more regular updates. Now the past week has really been interesting with a lot of firsts in the nation. Bangalore becomes the first city to launch a QR-based ticketing service and also the Auto Union of Bangalore has launched its own app to rival the likes of Uber and Ola. Along with that, Ola has become the largest EV manufacturer in India. After taking over the reins at Twitter, Elon Musk has significantly downsized its operations in India. Apart from that, Bits Pilani has issued new guidelines for students and faculty to take a period of up to 1 year to work on their own startup ideas. And again, Baiju's in the news, Messi is now the latest brand ambassador for this edtech company. And apart from that, we have the latest season of Shark Tank coming up and uh, a lot of memes have been doing the rounds on Twitter last week. But we'll be getting to that later. Roshan, how has the week been for you? Week's been fantastic, I should say. Uh, people have asked me about my skincare routine and everything. Uh, well, a few of them at least. Uh, yeah, they don't know that it's, it's not a skincare routine, it's just the weather of Bangalore. It's a natural glow. No, but I, I think, yeah, I mean, a couple of days in the sauna maybe. Right, and some face oils won't hurt, but but yeah, it's it's been a pretty interesting week, I should say. Uh, we celebrated uh, Karnataka Rajyotsava last week, the founding uh, day of the state. Considering that Karnataka has birthed so many startups, I think the startup janta should at least take a moment to celebrate that. Also, definitely watch this movie called Kantara. You could consider it some kind of a bootstrapped project, short to the budget of about sixteen crores. That's it. Uh, in fact, parts of it. Uh, you know, people say kind of like a vlog, but very, very impactful. I've watched it a couple of times. I highly recommend it. So talking about Karnataka, right? I mean, Bangalore, which has been known as the tech capital of India, just got even more techier with uh, WhatsApp partnering with the Bangalore Metro Corporation to launch India's first QR-based ticketing service. With this, people can just drop a message on WhatsApp. I think it's powered by Yellow Messenger, where uh, commuters can check train timetables and even recharge their Metro cards and book tickets. India is WhatsApp's probably the largest market, right, with I think close to 400 million users. And it's great to see large uh, enterprises partnering with government and other public units to bring convenience to the customers, right? And I think this is just a many of the first that we'll be seeing in the country. Yeah. No, I've actually been waiting for the whole WhatsApp API uh, to sort of enable the hundreds, if not thousands of applications that can be built over it, right? Similar to what WeChat has done in uh, China. But somehow, I mean, I think... WhatsApp India has been slow on that front, uh, right? We've only seen recently the WhatsApp payments, uh, right. you know, being enabled. Of course, I mean, that went into a little bit of a trouble with the RBI guidelines and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, this is a fantastic initiative. Uh, we've had Rashid of uh, Yellow Messenger on the podcast earlier, where he spoke about, you know, how conversational AI can, uh, you know, really transform customer service and, and stuff like that. And this is fantastic. I've seen how the experience works and it's very very convenient right i mean you just like type your destination and then you know you get a qr code yeah. sent you pay through upi right i mean it's it's fantastic i think you know we have to evangelize mass transit and things that make uh, you know that a little more seamless is always welcome i would and say especially, especially in bangalore yeah the especially traffic. in bangalore given the traffic given the roads and given the you know lack of availability of cabs and whatnot right i mean this is fantastic oh yeah i i can't really comment on cab availability but hopefully getting an auto will become easier because the city's auto union has launched its own indigenous app called namayatri which is uh, touted to take on the likes of uber and ola right i mean we have seen uh, in the past roundups the cases filed in karnataka high court regarding how rapido ola uber are charging more than what the minimum fare has been set 
right? I mean, of course, this is because of the convenience and uh, all the stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, a city is auto union coming up with its own app. Awesome. Right? That's, yeah. that's really big news. In fact, we called this, I think, three or four uh, weeks back, right? I mean, hmm. on the roundup, uh, where we said that, you know, some kind of a union or government or whatever should come up with their own app. Who knows? I mean, they've been, they've been building this all the while. So it was scheduled to launch in November and they've been on the dot. They've launched yeah. uh, in November, right? They launched on uh, November 2nd and I think it has been in a beta testing phase for past few right. weeks. Well, yeah. I have it installed. I'm just waiting to travel the next time and I'll check out the services. Yeah, it's, it's supposedly cheaper as well. You know, they only have about 10 rupees extra for pickup. Uh, and you have the option to tip the driver as well, which I think is a good initiative. I saw a comparison where the Namayatri app was about 40 or 50 bucks less than Ola and Uber. So I think more people will use it. I certainly will whenever I need an auto, perhaps. So one concern is that, look... Ola and Uber is a lot more than the app itself, right? I mean, the app is part of it, but, you know, they will have to look at service uh, and support and all of those things. But I guess, you know, they would have thought through all of this stuff. So, yeah, I'm certainly going to keep an eye out for uh, how this pans out because I think if if this kind of a thing develops, right? I mean, who knows? I mean, there could be a public utility app for maybe food, right? I mean, a Zomato or a Swiggy equivalent uh, as well, right? Who knows? Just might happen, I, I think. It's all up to the imagination. <laughs> Okay, uh, again, talking about Ola, right? We have seen the Ola's electric company, the Ola EV, has ran into its own fair share of troubled waters. But last month, they had an unprecedented sale of 20,000 units in a month. So in October of 2022. And this is the highest ever for any EV manufacturer in India. This also makes Ola Electric the highest selling electric scooter in the country with more than 50% market share in the premium scooter segment across IC and EVs. They're working on a lot of futuristic projects. They have the largest EV factory in India. I mean, that is being compared with the likes of Gigafactory of Tesla. How do you see Ola trying to take this forward? I mean, firstly, of course, kudos to them to come out of the whole um, headwinds they were facing earlier this year and now to become the largest manufacturer of EV in, in the country. This, more than anything, it validates, you know, the fact that there, there is huge demand for EV, right? There's absolutely a lot of demand for EV and, uh, you know, all the fame subsidies, the PLA, all of that definitely helps, right? And manufacturers have not been able to keep up with demand, right? I mean, we've, we've seen the case of Aether where they've said that, you know, demand is way more than what we can supply right now and so on. So everyone is literally scrambling. And I think Ola has the capacity at this point of time to sort of serve the needs of uh, folks who want EV, right? They also had a Diwali sale quite recently, which kind of explains the spike in sales, I suppose, right? Uh, but this is fantastic. I mean, considering all of the stuff that they've had to deal with over the last year, year and a half, you know, with the EVs catching fire and whatnot, right? Who can forget that amazing thumbnail that we made <laughs> sometime back? It's good news for sure. Uh, and again, as I keep saying that by 2030, I think some key segments of autos uh, will definitely uh, become EV-fied, I would say. Right. So given this whole uh, macroeconomic conditions of the recessions and the market slowing down, we, we have seen its effect on the Indian startup ecosystem, right? All companies are now focusing on profitability. But last, and this was highly concentrated within the edtech sector itself. But uh, last year, we are seeing this problem not only within the edtech sector in India, and this is a global phenomenon. And in the middle of all of this, even Elon Musk has made it to the news. Last week, he took over Twitter after a $44 billion deal. And in, in, to focus on profitability, they're letting almost 50% of its workforce go. And I think as a result of that, the entire India operations team has been sacked. And uh, folks in the US have filed a case in the court of Delaware, because they were not given proper compensation or notice of this downsizing. Notably, the engineering product teams were downsized 
although Twitter had announced plans to expand its engineering team in India, which works out of Bangalore as recently as April of 2021. But this phenomenon we are seeing in Twitter, we are seeing it in Baiju's. This is setting some sort of precedent for, you know, top startups that, hey, they can do whatever they want. Oh, I mean, see, there's certainly a lot of lab in some of the larger startups, for sure, right? And Twitter, for example, if you were to take headcount per user or even like revenue per user, etc., I mean, they, they're not the they're not that great, right? So it was long due. I mean, people have long called for a right-sizing of the company per se, right? And Elon is perhaps doing what is required uh, in the current circumstances, right? I mean, is he doing it the way that would be amenable to everyone? I don't know. That's questionable, right? I mean, considering some of the letters that are doing the rounds and whatnot, right? But yeah, I mean, uh, the, it's it's certainly not straightforward in the US to fire people, right? I mean, you have to give a 60-day or 90-day notice. Right. And a and bunch of politicians have already jumped in. Right. I mean, right. AOC, for example, has been tweeting at Elon about a bunch of this stuff. So it will get tricky, I should say. But uh, it's it's the I mean, Elon owns the businessman. I mean, he has to do what he has to do. And certainly, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know about the engineers, but at least a policy team. Right. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people doing all of this content moderation and stuff. I think, you know, I mean, there should be a more algorithmic way of like deciding what's right and what's wrong. I'm not saying you don't need humans uh, to intervene, but I think considering that, you know, Twitter's policies were entirely arbitrary. Right. I mean, it's it's hard. But actually, I think I'm being a little harsh as well. Like I was watching an episode of uh, Joe Rogan's with uh, Vijaya Gadde and uh, Jack Dorsey. And they have a hard job. They have a real hard job. Right. And uh, you know, people have painted Vijay out to be like, you know, one of this like evil, uh, you know, types who is just moving pieces on the board, whatever. But she's had a very, very hard job as well, right? So nobody discounts the, you know, complexity or the nature of the problem as such. But but I do feel that, you know, there was a lot of uh, slack. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the top executives are not wrong, right? I mean, okay, maybe at one point or then they, had, they might have overhired or maybe not hired properly and right now yes since the conversations are about profitability it kind of makes sense to look into the books and know understand what exactly is going on where to invest what to let go see one thing to also add is that look twitter employees have been like at least the the vocal majority uh, has been this activist types uh, and i guess you know i mean uh, the valley is kind of paying the dues for uh, this whole bring your authentic self to work kind of a thing right where Know, people's politics and people's personal opinions and all of those were discussed on the on the work table right i mean all, all that has a drawback obviously you know this is why i mean i suppose in the 70s or 80s whenever this corporate culture was like you know peak corporate culture was formed right, they always said that you know you you kept your personal beliefs and politics and everything aside from your work because it didn't really concern your work as such right and um, so i i don't know i mean i i feel like some of this is like coming full circle in that sense uh, right so yeah it will be interesting times for sure yeah even, even closer home right chargebee has also announced that it's laying off about 10 percent of its workforce right and again this is to change its hiring plan to align with its current priorities but chargebee is offering three months of pay and three months of extended medical benefits for affected employees but if you look at, I mean, okay, Chargebee is working in the Indian SaaS space, right? And within that, there are a lot of companies which are working with SMEs and MSMEs. And there are another set of companies that works with large enterprises. Now, with the whole recession and downturns coming in, I don't think both these sets of companies will be affected equally. There'll be a lot more churn within SaaS companies that have smaller ticket sizes versus those that serve yeah, enterprise sure. brands. Yeah, because enterprise is sticky revenue, right? I mean, uh, you know, the likes of HDFC or the likes of, you know, Berkshire, will not, uh, you know, cancel contracts on a whim. They can't do that, right? But whereas, I mean, if it's a 
a smaller business, right? A 10%, 50%, even a 100% business. I mean, some things like this can be entirely like up to the founder or uh, the upper management as such, right? So yeah, I mean, it is it is a little sad, right? Uh, considering 2021, the buoyancy was so much that, you know, people were planning for growth and growth and growth, right? I mean, now they've had to sort of revise their expectation. And uh, literally every founder has been asked to extend their runway, right? Have like two years at least. Uh, and they're doing what is uh, right for the company. Uh, I just hope you know, as Chargebee has demonstrated that they do it in a way that is amenable to the employees as well, right? It's tough times for sure, and it may take some time to resolve itself. All of this conversation, I'm portraying that it's, it's right now, it's not really a good time to join startups, but... No, I mean, I mean, these are ups and downs that are always there. They've always been there, right? I mean, it's been there for the last 50 years. You know, depending on what economic theory you subscribe to, whether it's a 9 or 10-year cycle, whether it's a 30-year cycle, etc. I mean, this kind of a, this downturn was long expected. Right. And it's kind of unraveling in a way that will have consequences across the spectrum. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we've seen those past cycles through and we will see this through as well. Right. I mean, and I've always said that, you know, product and financial cycles evolve independently. There's a great thread by Chris Dixon. I will probably like uh, reference it in the description. Uh, where he makes the case for the kind of companies that got built during the downturn, right? I mean, yes. 2008, if you look at it, Slack, Nutanix, MongoDB, etc. And now is when, I guess, your mission, your hypothesis, everything is battle-tested. And we'll come out of this uh, stronger, wiser. Yeah, yeah we're excited, like, off. maybe five, six years down the line, which will be the big startups emerging, right? Yeah. And uh, as you mentioned, in the 2008 crisis, we had the likes of Slack and all come in. And maybe this downturn will also be kind of similar because Bits Pilani just announced that they are going to allow students and faculty members to take a year off to focus on building their own startups. Nice. Right. Uh, with this move, Bits is also taking on the likes of IITs, which continue to dominate the startups and unicorn ecosystems in the country. And even the alumni of Bits Pilani is stellar, right? Of course, uh, Yamini and Venkat, who are co-founders of Vimo, they are from Bits Pilani. And uh, there were 13 of them making it to the list of Indian unicorns. That includes the likes of Zeta, MPL, Swiggy, Big Basket and Grow. And as part of this new policy, there are a lot of perks which the, co- the university is offering to its students, right? I mean, for example, if you're starting out of the university, you can register your dormitory address as a registered address for the company. Course credits for working on innovative prototypes and business models will be awarded. Subsidize the accommodation for entrepreneurs with incubated startups and it's great right it's not only the iits yeah. that are taking the lead but other colleges are too and, and now yeah no bits uh, you know had a very active entrepreneurship cell as well uh, historically and they're very innovative man i mean for example students can uh, you know choose their own uh, uh, course and everything so literally very flexible on that front uh, you know, they have uh, economics and finance departments uh, in an engineering college, which is pretty amazing. So this is fantastic. You know, every large good institution, whether it's Stanford or Harvard or whatever else, uh, has this option. And I, I think it's it's good that, you know, Indian institutions are thinking uh, on those lines as well. Yeah. yeah uh, so when I was checking uh, colleges to apply to and I was checking the rankings, I, I was following this website called QS Rankings, right? And I did not see any Indian colleges that made it to even the top 200 list. Mm-hmm. But if I were to open it today, I'm pretty sure we'll see at least a handful of names in that. Yeah, the rankings are also skewed, right? I mean, it depends on like parameters and stuff like that, right? I mean, facilities and so on and so forth. But I think in terms of the quality of talent, maybe the pedagogy and everything, I think, yeah, we could compare, I suppose. I mean, I'm not very, very certain about that. But I mean, at least in this day and age, right? I mean, knowledge is sort of democratized, right? So it's the people around you that really matter. 
and i feel this is a fantastic initiative for people to like take a year off and do something and make impact you know so it's great this whole thing takes the project work to the next level i would say yeah and somehow i feel this is kind of mirroring the whole israel's education uh, curriculum right i mean unlike just giving theoretical projects over there the problem statements which students are given are directly in sync with the problems the country is facing mm-hmm. for i remember as watching some documentary where they're talking about how they increase the whole farming output of the country by crowdsourcing the solution from students in schools and colleges right and yeah i mean there has been enough talk that how india lags behind in terms of like how ancient india's uh, curriculum is but it's good to see that we're making progress over there yeah uh, moving on to the next topic uh, the fifa world cup is coming up mm-hmm. and uh, earlier byju's had announced that they will be the title sponsors for this uh, global phenomenon and right now uh, last week byju's also announced that they have roped in messi as its first global brand ambassador of its social impact arm education for all and also the timing of this announcement could not be any better right right now the entire internet is abuzz with you know team descriptions and all and here we have messi who will be the captain of the argentina football team and this will probably be his last world cup as well so i mean this this is like a marketing masterstroke yeah i suppose i mean you know forget about the icc world cup and what not or the the t20 world cup everything indian startups are now sponsoring you know fifa level tournaments right and uh, lionel messi i mean come on it can't get uh, bigger than that right uh, some cristiano ronaldo fans may disagree but you know it's a huge thing and it's coming at a time where you know obviously their pr is uh, uh, you know not on great terms with the, all the layoffs that are happening in fact uh, i was watching an interview where divya gokulnath who's one of the co-founders of byju's uh, was talking about this initiative and she said look it's a value alignment it's not really a, a business deal uh, only but considering that you know Lionel Messi charges anywhere between 20 30 million dollars for endorsements uh, there's a significant amount of uh, money that's also gone into this right and it's interesting also to tie it to that social initiative education for all right. which makes it a little more wider right in terms of impact and so on it's it's interesting i mean any time you get one of these stars to be your brand ambassador i mean it brings in a lot of trust credibility along with you know the reach and engagement right so So let's see. I mean, and this this could be good for Bajus, I think. Yeah, and also this is not the first time that Messi has partnered with an Indian company as a brand ambassador, right? I think back in 2016, they had partnered with uh, Tata Motors as well when Tata released the whole Thiago car. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> right, and and I, I, I did not know this, but Thiago the, the car is named after Messi's son. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah. I remember this. Yeah. Earlier, it was supposed to be called Zika. Uh, ZICA, but around that time the whole Zika virus, the Zika yeah. virus broke in uh, South America, right? And hence the name change. And wow, I mean, imagine having a car named after your kid. Yeah. Okay, I think the biggest highlight of this roundup is going to be this upcoming season of Shark Tank, right? The new trailer has been out on Twitter, and wow, isn't Twitter filled with memes? Mm. So Ashneer Grover is being replaced with the co-founder and CEO of Car Deco Insurance Deco, Amit Jain. And well, I don't think fans have really taken that well. There are a lot of memes doing the round thing. These are doglapan hai. But what is your take on that? Hey, it's it's uh, interesting. You know, I mean, Shark Tank uh, truly made startups mainstream in India. There's so much enthusiasm for all the pitches and the sharks and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I think the concept will survive beyond Ashneer, I suppose. Of course, I mean, people will miss. Uh, you know some of the comments right i mean like doglapan and stuff like that i was watching this pitch of nabi have you seen that is the belly button shape no yeah i mean i was watching that it's hilarious 
<laughs> so yeah, I mean, I I I think you know there'll be more interesting pitches yeah. on this uh, this season, considering that more people definitely know about the show, right? So so yeah, I mean, this could be very interesting. Compared to last month, uh, November has definitely seen an increase of venture capital in within the ecosystem. Amagi has raised eighty-two million dollars, which was led by General Atlantic, with and has a current valuation of one point four five billion dollars. They turned unicorn in March after raising ninety-five million dollars. Cashkaro, which is a Gurugram-based cashback and coupon site, raised hundred thirty crore rupees or fifteen and a half million dollars approximately, and this was led by. Apple Global PT Limited the sleep company which is an online retailer of mattresses had received a series b funding of 177 crore rupees from premji invest and fireside ventures then we have y combinator backed decentro which is a banking and payments api infrastructure startup raised 4.7 million dollars from rapid ventures leonis vc and uncorrelated ventures the company has built a bank account centric products which includes account issuance and linking which have helped lenders comply with all of the latest regulations including the most recent uh, digital lending guidelines which were announced by RBI now it's good to see that you know funding check sizes are increasing and there are more number of deals happening in the ecosystem yeah what do you make of that definitely some very interesting startups that you've called out right uh, decentro for example has a very api based approach uh, it helps fintechs integrate with banks and they have modules for kyc for customer onboarding accounts and payments and so on and so forth uh you know we've spoken to nuclei and setu on the podcast earlier uh and this is definitely a need right i mean considering there are a lot more startups are going to engage with banks uh, and so on so it has a very plug and play infrastructure i think it's uh, fantastic stuff the entrepreneur is as well uh, you know fairly experienced uh, he's had an exit earlier amagi is one of my favorite startups right i mean they're building this whole media infrastructure they're helping you know some of these media companies leverage the power of the cloud think of it as ad insertion monetization all of this on ott platforms and so on the team of founders is very experienced they've also had an exit before with impulse soft and we should perhaps get them on the podcast sometime again very very good businesses uh, and great to see some activity of this sort happen so this is interesting tweet put out last week by arnav gupta and his tweet uh, says i was in usa specifically in san francisco and other parts of silicon valley for the larger part of last month and i talked to over 25 people mostly indian but not all and mostly working on big tech but not all as engineers and here's the thread of the vibe i got and then he goes on to explain what his understanding was of working in big tech companies do you want to summarize that for us so this is a very interesting thread and i should say it's very directionally very right even though i mean you might some might consider it exaggerated or skewed or whatever and proportions may vary but uh, i've experienced something similar right i was in sf about a month back and uh, i kind of uh, spoke to folks you know from big tech and from startups and everything and i think there is a sort of a general you know sluggishness that one gets you know i was uh, at a few events and you could notice that you know everyone is like really concerned about their jobs at this point of time and uh, i don't know maybe there, there would have been a lot more optimism even a, a couple of years back but something has changed for sure you know and there's a certain amount of sluggishness it doesn't have that same sort of spark that i perhaps experienced earlier right anyway it's a very interesting thread about uh, life in big tech and sf uh do check it out yeah, folks let us know in the comment section below as to how what do you think are the biggest differences between the indian startup ecosystem and the silicon valley it will be great to yeah, read be, through some of those that should be interesting yeah all right so roshan before we wrap up this round up why don't you take us through some of the conversations you plan on having this week so last week i spoke to anand of clever tap and it was one of the best conversations i've had in recent times obviously because i think anand is uh, you know comes from the saas world i'm from the saas world 
Uh, there are lots of overlaps to talk about. And also, you know, I've, I've been a fan of his work as well. I've used Burp uh, way back when. Burp was acquired by Network18. Anand met his co-founders there. And uh, they're solving this whole problem of app retention, uh, which I think is an evergreen problem. And there's a lot of wisdom in this podcast, uh, really, you know, about building, scaling. Uh, we've not had a lot of entrepreneurs on the podcast who have done the 10 to 100 million uh, ARR mark, right? And 100 million is... Uh, a phenomenal achievement. It puts them in a very, very elite uh, sort of a, a club. And it was amazing to talk to Anand about what changes at scale, you know. So, so this is a fantastic uh, episode. Definitely not one to be missed. Awesome. So folks, if you want to know when this episode is coming out, do follow us on our social media channels. On Twitter, we are at Operator Startup and on LinkedIn, we're called the Startup Operator. Do let us know how we can improve on our production, on what sort of content you would like us to talk about. We'll try our best to incorporate that. And apart from that, you'll see a WhatsApp link in the description below. Do click on it to start receiving updates straight into your WhatsApp inbox. That's it for this week. And uh, we'll be back with more updates uh, in the week after. Have a great week, guys. See you guys. Take care.